0: Good morning. My name is Gary and I want to welcome everybody out today. Uh, so crowds are up. Looks like school's back in session and people are done with vacation. Is that right? Yeah, that's the way that works. But anyway, we have been listening to Alan and Mike talk for the last several weeks uh, about the Lord's Prayer and we're moving on today and we're doing a new series for the next four weeks called Worth It, Living the Worthy Life. And uh, we get that out of Colossians chapter 1 uh, just to remind you folks, the theme we we put before you uh, at the beginning of the year that we ask that you all adopt as your own is fill me. And that comes from Colossians chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossians who he's never met, he's just heard about their faith and their love. A faith and love that he says spring from the hope held out in the true message of the Gospel. And he goes on to say, beginning in verse 9, He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. You see, the apostle Paul, his desire for these Christians that he'd never met was that they would be filled with the wisdom and understanding that only comes through the Holy Spirit. And Tim and Alan and I, as elders, decided we would like that to be your prayer for yourself and our prayer for you. That we want you to be praying, fill me, the way Paul was praying for the Colossians. And we started out the year uh, looking at what I kind of look at the, the prerequisites for his prayer or the foundation for his prayer. It wasn't just, hey, this is what I think, but it's based on what he'd heard about the Colossians and about their faith and their understanding of the Gospel, And so we spent six weeks looking at what the Bible has to say is the good news of Jesus. And today we're kind of bringing us back to that, reminding us of that. But you see, Paul's prayer was for a reason. It wasn't just, hey, this sounds good, or hey, this is the next step in your maturity. But he says this is what it was for. He says his prayer was so that, so that in verse 10 he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him In every way. You see guys. If you're praying fill me. It's not just so you can have wisdom and understanding. It's so that you can have wisdom and understanding. To live a life worthy of the Lord. And what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. Is different ways. Or different reasons. However you want to put it. That we should live a life worthy. That we should make the life we live worth it. And that should be our goal. We're going to be talking about this more and more as we go on. I just want to do a little background as we begin. I believe this is in your notes. Uh, I'm not a big Greek scholar, but I do know how to use the basic interlinear Bible to show you what the words, the original Greek words that the Bible was written in, uh, what they would mean in English, because it, it opens up the meaning to mean something more sometimes or have a greater understanding. It helps me. But this word translated worthy is "axius." It just means deserving, in keeping with, corresponding to, comparable, countervailing. Countervailing, it just means it's kind of like the opposite of. An example of that, and we're going to look at it in a minute, is in Romans chapter 8, and verse 18, where it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, what he's saying is, guys, we need to live a life worthy of the Lord, that's deserving of the Lord, that's comparable to the way the Lord would live and the way the Lord would want us to live. And that word can be used to point to the opposite, meaning these don't equal each other. And that's really what we're talking about, is does your life equal what you've been given by God? And specifically, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're going to hear this more and more if you're around here at Greater Alton. And that is that as a follower of Jesus, you have a dual citizenship. You are a citizen of whatever country you are a citizen of. And you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And there are benefits and there are responsibilities to both of those. I was talking this morning with Lania Turner. Lania is a 16-year-old. Wave at us, Lania, Can you wave at us? Not everybody knows who you are. I just wanted to know who you are. She's a little shy. I told her not to be surprised if this conversation came back up, and here we are. But Lania's mother is from Sweden. Her mother has Sweden citizenship. Lania is 16. She has dual citizenship. She has two passports, she said with a smile on her face. And I was asking her, I said, what are the benefits of being a citizen of Sweden versus a citizen of the United States? Now, I asked that question... Because from what I remember of American government class with Sam McPhail over 40 years ago, or about 40 years ago, that people such as Linnea, in Linnea's case, at some point they have to declare which country they want to be a citizen of. Is that accurate still? No, it's not. Okay, I'm wrong. I thought it was. So that's where I was going when I talked to her. And I was asking her you know, what are the benefits of being a citizen of Sweden versus a citizen of the United States? And she came up with one thing. She said, as a citizen of Sweden, she can go to college for free. Pretty big benefit, right? Yeah. She said it is expensive to live there, she thought. And I asked her, I said, now if you stay here in the United States and you're a citizen of Sweden, do you have to pay income taxes in both places? You know, she didn't know the answer to that question. Okay, But guys, my little conversation with Aenea illustrates something very clearly. There are benefits and responsibilities to being a citizen of any country. And as a member of the kingdom of God, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, there are also benefits and responsibilities. Now, I'm sorry to say that I feel, I know for the majority of my time following Jesus... I didn't pay much attention to the benefits of really being a citizen of this kingdom of God. I just took a generic benefit. I'm saved. If I die, I go to heaven. And that was really all I thought about. That was really all I looked at. I didn't get into the specifics of it. And the responsibilities were, I better not screw up. I better live right. I better not sin. And so guys, today what we're going to talk about We're going to look at two aspects of living a life worthy of the Lord and then we're going to talk about how we go about doing that. And so real quick, uh, the first aspect that we want to talk about is does how I live my life compare with the benefits? Alright, does how I live my life compare with the benefits? Okay, if I am given something very good, what do I do with it? Do I take advantage of it and use it for my good? Am I appreciative of it? Or do I walk on it? That's really what we're talking about. Or do I just take it and say, thanks, but I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care what what you want from me. You see, guys, there are benefits of this, my citizenship in the kingdom of God. The first benefit is the forgiveness of sins. A pretty big benefit. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, this is what it says. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Guys, that's a pretty big benefit, the forgiveness of sins. And we need to be aware of that. The second benefit is that we have received and will receive more glory in the future. Now, I just got to tell you here, this is one of those things that I didn't know anything about, didn't pay attention to. If I read about it, I overlooked it because I didn't know what it was talking about. And as I gladly tell you anytime I'm up here, this is a growth area for me. If you're going to ask me, what's this about? We're receiving glory and we're going to receive more glory when Jesus gets back. What's this glory all about? I'm going to have to go. I don't I don't I don't have a good handle on that. Okay. But as you see in these two passages that we're about to read in in Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 4, it's something I need to know about. It's something I will learn more about. Because I believe if if God has let us know about it, that makes it pretty significant, doesn't it? And look at these two passages. The word is in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I read this earlier. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Second Corinthians 4 says something very similar. He says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, guys, how many of you wish life was easier? <laughs> how many of you wish it was easier to follow Jesus? You want to follow Jesus more closely, and you want to live a, a life that better represents Him, but it's, it's hard, right? I mean, it is difficult. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have many troubles. In three weeks, Alan's going to be talking about Persecution. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, anyone who wishes to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I want it to be easier. Guys, if anybody tells you walking a Christian life is easy, they are, they're wrong. Following Jesus is not a cakewalk. It's not a stroll in the park. It is challenging. And that's what's so significant about these two passages is what it's telling us, it's saying the glory that we will receive is, is so much greater than the difficulties we face right now that you can't even compare them. It's not like you're going to be earning it by going through these difficult things. There's no comparison. This is minuscule. This is paying a penny for the $4 billion lottery ticket. That is really what it's all about. Anybody that looks at the difficulties of life and the difficulties of following Jesus and says, how are we supposed to do this? This is telling us something. This is giving us a step up, if you will. He's saying, we need to compare our difficulties... With the glory that we are going to receive now i don't as I just told you guys i can't, i don't feel real confident telling you about the glory that we are going to receive. Ask me again in a year because I think it's important enough that I need to know I need to know this benefit you know, assuming that if, assuming I had been right and Lania had to declare which country she wanted to be a citizen of, she would need to know the benefits of both. And guys, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we need to know this is a benefit. How, how am I able to look at the troubles of this world and go, oh, they're light, they're momentary, you know, this too will pass. It tells you right here. You compare it to the glory that you will receive. And they become light and momentary. Third thing, guys, benefit is that we've been reconciled to God. Also in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, this is what it says. Once you are alienated from God... And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Okay, you want to know the big deal about holiness? Alan's going to talk about that next week, right? Come back next week, you'll get to hear all about it. That's another one of those topics. What's it all about? That's a religious word. But guys, the whole point is you've been made right with God. You were an enemy of God. Some of you may still be. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you haven't decided to declare your allegiance to Him, you are still an enemy of God. You don't have to stay there. Okay? The rest of us, we, we were. We used to be enemies of God. And God says, I'm making a way for you to be reconciled with me. I've opened the door, welcomed you in, and I've made things right. Your evil behavior is forgiven. Your evil behavior is overlooked. And I've welcomed you into my kingdom. That is what God has done. The fourth thing that we want to talk about here, benefit of the kingdom is eternal life. And I've got three scriptures there. I'm not going to go through them right now. You're welcome to look at them on your own. This is probably the most popular Benefit of following Jesus. I don't see it as much anymore in professional sports, but for years back in the 80s and 90s, you'd turn on any professional event and you'd find somebody in the background with a sign that says either John 3.16 or just 3.16 and it's a reference to the Bible verse where it says that whoever believes in Jesus will receive eternal life. And that's the most promising one. But again, guys, it's one of those things that I looked at as just kind of this vague thing in the future, but not really thinking about it. It was just, okay, I suffer through this life, I persevere through this life, and then I get to live forever. And guys, eternal life is a big deal. It is a big deal. Back to the verse we looked at about receiving glory, and it says, our light and momentary troubles... This life is momentary. I mean, it is literally, uh, the book of James describes it as, our life as a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. You know, we're like a puff of smoke in the scheme of eternity. Our life, that we know it right now, is brief, is momentary, and it, it, you can't compare it to eternity. I've done it in here before, where I had everybody. I strung a string through the, through all the chairs, and around the room, and then we just kept stringing around the room. It took ten or fifteen minutes to unroll the whole wire, and I said, "Guys, put your hand on that string." And I said that that string is time, and the amount of string you've covered with your hand is the length of your life, and the rest of it is eternity. You see, guys, when you compare your difficulties to eternity, there's no comparison. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to or I've heard have said, I've heard the argument on so many different ways. I've heard it from uh, men and women alike who are more interested in finding a spouse than they are in finding a believing spouse. And they basically say, this life is short. And I can't wait any longer. And guys, it compares to all kinds of things. I've, seen, I've talked to a man, not in this room, doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus. I talked to him last year. He's a friend. He told me he was going through a divorce. and I, Man, I hate to hear that. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to live forever. I need to be happy. And what he's saying is, I'm gonna divorce my wife, I'm gonna let my kids be part of a split up home, so I can be happy. And the whole basis is, my life is short. I'm not gonna, I I can't put up with this that long. I shouldn't be expected to have, to, to go without the happiness that I want and think I deserve, because life is short. And I looked at him and he says, about the second time he said, I'm not going to live forever. I looked at him and go, I am. You see, guys, how many of your problems take on a radically different perspective when you compare them to eternity? How many of them? Guys, eternal life is a benefit. And we're experiencing it right now knowing that we're going to live Forever. And I didn't even throw in there that you're going to get a new body. But guys, those those are some of the benefits. The second aspect of living a life worthy that you need to understand and we need to want to talk about today is how accurately does my life represent Jesus? You see, I believe worthy of the Lord means, hey, am I living a life worthy of the benefits? But it's also, do I represent Jesus? Look at these two passages here, guys. First one's in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Second one's in Romans chapter 15 verses 5 and 6. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement Give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, those are two passages. There's another one there in Philippians chapter two. It says in your relationships with one another, have the mindset as the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Those are just three passages, okay? I could have been up here for the whole hour talking just about passages about how, as followers of Jesus, we are to be like Jesus. We are to become like Jesus. And they go on and on. This is nothing new to anybody that's been around following Jesus for any length of time at all. That's what living a life worthy of the Lord is all about. You see, for a number of years... I was trying to create life the way I wanted it. You know, I would do what I could to follow Jesus. Oh, I didn't have premarital sex. I married one woman. I stayed married. I was home every night. I I earned a living. I paid the support of my kids. I gave over 10% to the church. Okay? I was involved in everything. But I was really trying to shape my life the way I wanted it. Becoming like Jesus was not a conscious goal of my life fulfilling requirements was not sinning was part of my life but when I got challenged with this idea of becoming like Jesus I had to confess that's not what I get up and think about every morning and I don't think about it at noon either or when I go to bed You see, guys, you want to quit sinning, you start trying to become like Jesus and sin takes on a whole new perspective. I mean, it really, really does. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But, guys, that is those are the two perspectives, are two aspects of living a life worthy. So how do I live a life worthy of the Lord? Number one is I choose real hope. I choose real hope. And this has kind of been a hot topic of mine for the last year or so. Um, I already mentioned earlier that in the opening verses of Colossians chapter one, Paul talks about the church at Colossae, and he says, "I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love." And he says, "They spring. your faith and your love spring from the hope." Held out in the true message of the gospel. He goes on to say, down in, towards the end of chapter one, verses twenty-two and twenty-three, he says, "But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If, if you continue in your faith." established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel. And again, guys, this struck me because it wasn't something I thought about. I thought of my hope in a very generic sense. And that was, when I die, I'm going to heaven. That was it. I've heard Bible classes taught and they would teach a way of evangelizing somebody, and particularly somebody from a different church, a different set of beliefs, and you would ask the question, well, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? And so this class was talking about, well, what if somebody asked me that question? And you were supposed to the, say the, the, the right response was, well, I hope to go to heaven. There was no, there was no confidence in it. You know? It was like, I hope. And so guys, when you look at that, when you look at heaven, it's kind of a vague thing. I can say, yeah, I plan on going to heaven. I had no idea what heaven was going to be like. Couldn't tell you. Had my questions. Didn't know much else about it. There's a whole lot more to the hope held out in the gospel than going to heaven. Did you know that? You know, you heard me talk about it. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. I'm excited about it. I'm going to get a new body. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. And it's very exciting to a man of 55. Okay? Jesus comes back. Everybody that's died is going to come back to life. And we're going to get a new body. It's going to last forever. I'm excited about that. Guys, uh, eternal life, as we just talked about. Eternal life. I mean, if you don't think about, hey, this life is short and I'm going to live forever without all these problems. That's what it tells us in the Bible. That the eternal life is going to be involved. No more sickness. No more sin. No more, no more, no more death. Okay? And dare I say, no more Facebook drama. No more fake news. No more politicians lying to you. No more false hope of the government getting things right. Okay? Those are, those are going to be gone. Eternal life. Everything's going to be made right. That excites me. That motivates me to want to live a life worthy of the Lord today. Okay? That motivates me to give up my life and what I think my life should look like. You know, uh, we were backstage praying just a minute ago and Alan was praying and he was talking, he was praying about this lesson and he was praying to help me focus because I've had a whole bunch of distractions this week. Anybody else? You know, and it wasn't too long ago. One of my, you know, I own my own business, uh, it involves having employees and uh, I, we had some turnover recently. That's the way things go. Uh, and I hired a new guy. And let's just say he didn't work out. Okay? And I, I... He didn't have a good work ethic. He ended up quitting. But, and I'll spare you the details. Okay? I don't... And I knew this going in. Okay? I took one... He didn't surprise me at all. Okay, I knew this guy, I could read him like a book. He didn't surprise me. Then why did I hire him? Because I thought that it was what the Lord wanted me to do. I thought the Lord wanted me to give this man an opportunity and to work with him. To try to help him. And I don't regret doing that. But can I tell you, it was a bit of a distraction? Was it worth it? I'm just doing what the Lord says. I'm gonna let Him make, sort things out in the end. Guys, eternity motivates me. Real hope motivates me to live that life worthy. Makes it worth it. Uh, Second thing I do after I choose real hope, and that choosing may involve learning about the real hope. Okay? Or understanding it better. Uh, The next thing is that I have multiple mission statements. Yeah, didn't didn't see that one coming, did you? (laughs) Multiple mission statements. Guys, mission statements uh, are basically uh, are very popular since, I don't know, the 80s or 90s. Uh, businesses have them. And then it grew into where churches decided they wanted to have them. They'll hang them on their, they'll paint them on their buildings. They'll put them on banners. Uh, they'll put them in. It, it's to direct the church, to give it a focus. To say, this is our mission. And I believe in mission statements, but I believe you need to have a personal mission statement. Okay, it's okay to have a church one. I'm not condemning that. Okay, I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. But I believe you need to have a personal one. And the Apostle Paul here in Philippians gives us a mission statement of types for himself. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. What he's going, he's telling the Philippians, I'm laying it out here guys. This is my mission. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know this. I want to know about his sufferings. I want to participate in his sufferings. So somehow I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. And you see, guys, I was directing his life. If you've studied anything about the Apostle Paul, I think he participated in the sufferings of Christ. Just short of being crucified. His life was rough. And guys, I believe it's important to have mission statements, and I'll get to that in a minute, but to declare the direction your life is going in, the direction you want your life going in. Mission statements, one of the things that businesses will tell you, those are business leaders, they should be short. Alright? They should be easily remembered, as in not a paragraph. Okay? It gives you direction in an instant. Several years ago, I'm going back probably 15 years, no not 15, anyway, better than 12 years ago, we went to visit a church in Indiana, uh, I believe it's called Granger Church, and when I walked in the doors, they had their mission statement, or vision statement, whatever you want, to, painted on the floor. I read it once, and I can tell it to you today. It is very simply taking the next step towards Christ together." I mean, it, it said so much, it said, "As a group, we are moving towards following Jesus. We are moving towards being close to Him. And it says we're all in different places. See, we all have the next step that's in front of each of us. It was a great mission. St- I, wanted to, I wanted to bring it home for us. And then I got outvoted. Um, but you see, guys, I say you have multiple mission statements because there's not just one. Okay? You don't have to limit yourself to one depending on the circumstances. And if you're like me, you get tired of one. And you get bored and you want to move on to something else. I think they call that ADD, but I'm not sure. But guys, here's some different ones that you can adopt, you can think about, uh, you can consider. One of them is, I want to be like Jesus. We just we just read that. And we just talked about that. That's You want to live a life worthy of the Lord, you start that as your mission statement every day. I want to be like Jesus. You pray that, God, I want to be like Jesus today. You continually pray that, and you are going to change. If you're serious about it. Okay? Another one is, I want to be led by the Spirit. We did a whole sermon series on that, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Here's one. I want to be a good and faithful servant. We've talked a lot about that this year. We've made that our goal for our special contribution. Forget the $100,000 goal. We just want to be good and faithful servants with the resources God's given us. You see, and that carries over to so many things. Not just the money you give the church, but what do you do with the money that's left over? What do you do with the money in your pocket when somebody needs help? All good things there. <clears throat> um, guys, i got to tell you, I had a, I had a conversation uh, this week with Dave Bateman uh, Linnea's stepfather by the way keeping it a family thing here and uh, guys Dave and Ulrika have grown tremendously if you haven't talked to them personally their maturity in following Jesus over the last several years is, just, is, is noticeable and so Dave and I were having lunch and he was first of all explaining to me how Alan is his favorite preacher up here I'm his friend Alan's his favorite um, Dave is nothing but honest I mean he's honest and uh, he was asking me, he says, Gary, I've been challenged. Alan was talking about, uh, in one of his lessons over the last month, he was talking about uh, planning for retirement, and are you doing this for you, and are you building up bigger barns for yourself, and storing up money for yourself. And Dave sat me down, and he says, Gary, this is Ulrika and I's plans right now for retirement. And then he asked this question. You want, you want, to, you want to know maturity? He says, Am I doing what Alan said? Is my plan what Alan has advised us not to do? And I had to look at him and I loved answering his question. I said, well, I can't answer that. I said, that's a question you're going to have to answer. And I said, here's what, but I'm going to tell you how to find your answer. And I said, number one, obviously you have to seek God about it, honestly and sincerely. I said, but the other is, between now and when you retire, and they're five to ten years away or whatever, I don't even know. I said, you need to focus on living your life now as a good and faithful servant. If you're seeking God and your goal is to be a good and faithful servant, guess what? God will show you, number one. And number two, whatever plan you come up with, if it's that one or another one, you won't have to worry about doing what Alan said not to do which is, Alan was just telling us what Jesus said not to do, okay? There you go. Didn't want to hold you up too high, Alan. But guys, that's the way a mission statement comes in to help you. You decide, is my life worthy of the Lord? Am I going to be a good and faithful servant? Am I going to please my Lord? I want to have the mind of Christ. Maybe it's reminding yourself of something. Okay? That I have been given eternal life. It helps you focus. Maybe it's Jesus is patient with me. You know how that gives me purpose? Or that gives me direction? I don't know about you, but I find there's a few people in my life that I have to be patient with. Is anybody else? I, I, I may be the only one. But there's people I run into that I have to be patient with. And when I say Jesus is patient with me, that helps me be patient with that. It reminds me. Okay? Again, getting back to I'm wanting to be like Him. Guys, you need to understand something. Without a stated goal or purpose, you're going to wander in life. And you're going to wander towards not following Jesus more quickly than you will towards following Jesus. Okay, third thing. And I'm late. Third thing is I, will, I learn to live by the Spirit. And again, guys, I talked about this. Uh, we did a sermon series on this last summer. And you can go to the website and listen to it. Uh, I believe... Is that correct? I don't know how far back the website goes. Uh, you can listen to those. You can go to the information center. And I believe they can get CDs for you of all those even. Um, we can get to those lessons. We talked about this for, for several weeks. Okay? But guys, you, if you want to live a life pleasing to the Lord, you've got to learn to live by His Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, or God the Father didn't give you the gift of the Holy Spirit just to give you something you don't know nothing about. The gift of the Holy Spirit has a purpose in your life. And look at these two passages, and you'll see this pretty clearly. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Later on in Galatians, he says this, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit... From the Spirit will reap eternal life. You see, guys, we've been given the Holy Spirit to to live inside of us and to guide us every minute of our lives. And you're in a situation and you want to know what pleases the Lord, what's worthy of the Lord in this situation. If you're tuned into the Holy Spirit, you will know. The Holy Spirit will guide you, will communicate to you, will tell you. And that's very exciting. Guys, the fourth thing, if I'm going to live a life worthy of the Lord, is I examine myself regularly. Examine myself regularly. In 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 and 6, this is what it says. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Guys, when I told you about Dave asking me that question Tuesday when we were having lunch, he was examining himself. And you see, guys, I just want to tell you, that's something a lot of us overlook. A lot of Christianity is taught, once you're saved, you're always saved. And there's nothing you can do to get lost. And so, there's no real reason to examine yourself. (laughs) Guys, and I'm just telling you, it needs to be a constant process. That's what I appreciate about Dave, asking that question. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You really want objectivity. Bring somebody you trust into your examination room. Ask God to show you. That's a dangerous prayer. It really is. You see, guys, we have a tendency to want to whittle down Christianity to a a minimal list. Here's what I do. Here's what I don't do. And everything's okay. And we don't examine the finer points of it. But the truth of the matter is, in Galatians 5, following that passage, we just wrote... It describes a conflict that exists within every one of us. You see, my desire to live by the Spirit doesn't end my conflict. You know that? Because I have flesh. I have this body that is not well suited for following Jesus. And I can't get into all that right now, but it's just not. That's what's going to be really cool about the new body. Okay? But there's a conflict that exists. And I I can't set my cruise control on living by the Spirit or on following Jesus and stay on course. I have to be constantly examining where am I not following Jesus? Where am I not living a life worthy of the Lord? Where am I not living up to the benefits of citizenship in His kingdom? Guys, as we close out today, I just got to ask the question... How often are you examining yourself? Are you choosing to examine yourself? Are you inviting people into the process that you know and trust that are following Jesus themselves? You see, guys, here's the deal. God's given us everything we need to live faithfully towards Him. He's given us what we need to live a life worthy of the Lord. The challenge is, are we going to do it? Are we going to live for ourselves? That's my lesson. Let's pray and we'll be done, alrighty? Father, it is, it is awesome to see what You've done for us. Father, I cannot thank You enough for opening my eyes to the benefits of citizenship in Your kingdom. Father, I am juiced about a new body. I am excited about a new life and I'm even excited about this glory thing, though I don't understand it. Father, it's, it's a pretty big deal because You say it, it, it doesn't compare. It's so much greater than my troubles, than my difficulties. Father, I thank You for that. I thank You for, for showing us these things and for giving us so much. Father, I just pray right now, that we can look at these things and we can choose to live a life worthy of You. Father, as individuals and as a church, that we can choose to live worthy of You in our everyday lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.